drink it in, man. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread! 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 Drink it in, man. Kool-Aid drinkers, what's going on, everybody? It is a victory pod. Huge win over those Packers from Green Bay. We'll talk about that today on the show. I appreciate you joining me. Let me fill up that glass, a little Detroit Kool-Aid, before we get going. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. Side of cornbread. Cornbread! Ah, oh, what the heck? Make it a double. Cornbread! <laughs> oh, man, I'm feeling good. This is going to be a fun show. Talk about this Packer win. Talk about Smug looking more smug than I've ever seen him. It was glorious. We'll, I, I've got a little bit of a draft pick versus wins rant. <laughs> I also want to get into a little take on JMO and the update on our wide receiver. Let you know what's up with him and some things to look at, some things I might have tweeted out couple kool-aid hotline reactions and then at the back part of the show we're gonna have joey christopoulos on from the uh believe in bears podcast you guys know who joey is he always was coming on this show about once a month or so and then like i've always said man this guy is just an absolute star the king of podcasting he's all over the place had a bunch of big projects going on i said hey man let's just let you do your thing I'll go on these solo Lions shows, and we'll catch up before the Lions and Bears take to the gridiron, and that is this upcoming week, so we will have Joey on to get into that, mix it up a little bit about our um, both our teams, get you a score prediction and some hype on the way out the door, no question about it. So as I often say, let's not mess around, let's get right into this thing, and I just want to say about this Packer game, man, the defense came to play. <laughs> I mean, they were physical. They were getting off the football field. They were doing something that you guys have heard me talk about continuously on this pod, and that's create turnovers. <laughs> when you win the turnover battle, you win football games, and that's exactly what the Lions did. It was really fun to watch. Um, you know, it's not a bunch of points scored. There wasn't a bunch of amazing plays in this game, but... Enough on offense and enough on D, and a, and they finished. <laughs> they, like, I, I don't know. We're not going to break this down play by play, but, I mean, you know, early in the football game, Dan Campbell, can, can, can we please kick a field goal for once to get us some points early or just in general, <laughs> a kick of some sort, whether it be a field goal or a punt? I mean, this continuously going for it's ridiculous. So the Lions could have put up points early. They didn't. Then the Packers. And that smug, disgusting quarterback. I think I think we got a drop for him somewhere on the show. He goes a little something like this. You pompous, stink! 
stuck-up, snot-nosed, giant twerp, scumbag. <laughs> and, and, and number 12 for Green Bay proved to be just that, because this guy, he's yelling at his teammates, he's rolling his eyes, he's walking past his coach. Hey, 12, you smug piece of garbage. Maybe you shouldn't throw it at the other team's helmets at the two-yard line. <laughs> Uh, threw it right into Derek Barnes's face mask. And then my favorite part about that play was the fact that it was Kirby versus Hefe in the vertical leap. And, and sorry, Mr. Okuda, but uh, you, you got to work on those bunnies. You got to get some new shoes, get, get, get in the, uh, on the basketball court there and see if you can get up. Cause Kirby flew up over top of you to get this football, which I love because a lot of times guys will wait for the ball to come to them or make a half-hearted effort. Kirby climbed the ladder to go get this thing. And you guys know we, we have a drop. We have lots of fun drops on the show. One of my new favorites is Rodrigo. 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 You know what I mean? It's just the guy's name, but it's the way it's said. So I want to add another one. This hasn't been a drop yet, but I think it might be after this. This is, I think, what, you know, might come up with a, a swaggy name for Kirby. But right now it's... Kirby, Kirby Joseph. <laughs> that's how I'm going to say it when he makes continuously makes plays. Uh, because that's what I was yelling when he went up and got this football and got the turnover. So Kirby, Kirby Joseph. Um, lo- loved while we went and got the football. Okuda, you got to work on those hops, bro. Um, but gosh, I mean, it's just, it, you know, getting getting that points early for the Lions where they finally, instead of running up the middle or running off the right guard or running off left guard <laughs> or diving into the pile, they finally ran a little misdirection uh, inside the goal line. And what do you know? A wide open tight end all by himself for a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, if anything, the Lions should know this. Because it, they they get it done to them constantly. When have the Lions ever stopped the play inside the two, inside the five-yard line when the tight end sneaks out the back door? Never. <laughs> Never, ever. So that was fun to see. Also fun to see Smug think that he can just throw the ball up over the top for a big old touchdown down the middle of the football field. But Kirby, Kirby Joseph. <laughs> oh, man. Uh this was another play by Kerbski, which was just incredible. Like, and 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 it looks so good live because he just sort of timed it up, got his paw up there, knocked this thing down. But the best part of this play was the replay, the all twenty-two view, where somehow Kirby Kirby Joseph was lined up. I might have to work on that delivery a little bit. I got to admit or come up with something different. I heard him called Kerbo, Kerbski. You guys have already said me. It will workshop. It will workshop something for him. I got a story about Kirby later I want to get into, to be honest. Um, But on the All-22 view, Kirby is like up on the line like he's blitzing. Right on the line, like like an extra edge player. And when this ball's hiked... He dead sprints down the middle of the football field running with, I believe that was a wide receiver too. I don't think that was like a tight end or or, a, or an RB. That was a wide receiver running right down the middle of the field. And Kirby goes, step, gets back there. You know, Smug tries to just layer it over the top. 
doesn't realize this guy is Hobbs, doesn't realize he's athletic, that's A-F-F, athletic, and gets his hands on the football to knock this away. I mean, that was one of the most tremendous plays I've seen, not just because of the play he made on the football, but the play he made to get there. Um, Absolutely incredible. Then later in the game, you see Smug think that he's just going to throw a ball again over the middle for a touchdown. Kerbski just absolutely baits him. <laughs> if he picked this thing off so silky smooth and easy, it just looked, uh, it was glorious to see. It was unbelievable the way he just looked like he was taking somebody else. Oh, wait, Smug's going to throw it? Don't do that. And takes it right from him. Love that. I love that halftime when Jury, yes, yes, that's spelled J U. U-U-R-R-Y-Y-Y got right up in Smug's grill, talking junk to Karen Rogers and his, her, his, her, whatever, bad hair, saying, don't throw the ball at me. What are you doing? Don't don't come at me like that. Who do you think you are? I mean, <laughs> Jury is just a man. He, he's just so fun to watch, so uh, unintimidated by anything. You have to love it. So that that was classic. And then later in the football game, guess who the Lions dial up inside the uh, 10-yard line? James Mitchell, tight end, fifth-round pick out of Vitek. Uh, You know, all day for Jared Goff to throw. I mean, he's just patting the ball, waiting, 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 and then finds his third option, James Mitchell, in the back of the end zone. Um, I absolutely love to see James get in the end zone. I... I, I don't know what James is going to be, man. He had these crazy numbers in college, like 18 yards of catch and all this athletic, you know, stats, but he doesn't jump off the page to me. He seems kind of like a blocking and then, a, you know, just got to sneak him out or you got to get him up the field. And then once he gets it, maybe he can run a bit, but he doesn't jump off the page to me. But I do think he could be a solid tight end. If he shows me a couple of these plays at the next level. Can't say I was dialing into too much Vatek football to watch James Mitchell, but could be it could be enough at tight end. Let's put it that way. I mean, again, I think we've all come to the realization that you don't need an eighth overall pick at tight end. You don't need a a freakazoid if you can find one. You know, like a like a Pitts or um, the way Travis Kelsey isn't even a freakazoid, but he just always open. I mean, gosh, seven eleven, that guy just never covered by anyone. It's unbelievable. Um, great, but I think James Mitchell Zilstra is actually a sneaky player. I've sort of liked what I've seen from him for a, a year or so now under the radar. If he gets some more opportunities, I think he could produce in the pass game. Um, these guys, you know, are, are are able to block. You got Brock Wright, who I think's a a plus blocker, but also Brock Wright's shown some things, man. He he not only has made some plays, he has some decent speed. So it was nice to see the double tight end touchdown after you trade after you trade T J Hacks. Um, that was fun to see. Um, you know, I I just think Dan Campbell again. He's got to be smarter at the end of these football games. I know you want to be aggressive. I know you think fourth and shorts are are yours and you're going to get your team's going to get them every time. But him going for it at the end of this ball game instead of letting Jack Fox, the highest paid punter in the game, put his foot to the ball and make the other team go 90 plus to score on you. I just don't know what he's thinking there, especially when it continuously hasn't worked. Like just be a little bit more I mean I'm a I don't know I guess if you had to choose I kind of like the bravado and the aggressiveness you know consistently the belief in your team but I think there's times where you have to say like okay let's just 
let's make you know them go 40 extra yards with basically no timeouts in 40 seconds. That sounds like a smart call to me rather than, let's get it and end it here. I mean, you know, just needs to be a little more tactful with that. But I still, I'm still in support of Motor City Dan Campbell. I do think that this stuff's going to pay off when he has better players and he has more wins under his belt, more experience. I think it's going to be really fun to watch, but right now it's it's head-scratching and frustrating at times where it's just like, come on, man, kick the field. Come on, pin them deep. Come on, like, you know, only go for three fourth downs in a game rather than, you know, six or whatever his, his average is these days. So you got to be careful with that. I also think this is one of those games – I tweeted it out. I always try to, you know, put a capsule on the game with a with a tweet where I do try to use every character. I've told you guys that before. I try to squeeze in every character every that I can along with all the hashtags I can fit in there to promote the show and whatnot. But uh, I did try to put, put a, a cap on this one where I just said, like, you know, they – Wanted the Packers to win. You guys know who they are. Um, you guys know the the refs again. We're making some shoddy calls towards the end of this game. Uh, as for four quarters, actually never calling a delay of game. I think I saw a tweet or an article today that it could have been eight plus delay of games on the Packers that were not called. Eight. It's not like oh you missed one or two or oh it was questionable. Eight plus times the clock was at zero before that ball was hiked. That's just a ridiculous rule that needs to be fixed. Hey, NFL, here's a thought. You're worth billions of dollars. <laughs> Can we not get the same shot clock that they have in the NFL with the decimal point? And then when that thing goes to zero, I don't know, maybe a red you know, rectangle around said uh, play clock. And then, I don't know, maybe even a buzzer of sorts. That is audible to not only fans, but these dumb zebras we got out there who think because the NFL told them that you get a little extra half beat that they let it go, I don't know, one second, two seconds longer without blowing their whistle. Um, Just a thought. You know, you might want to upgrade the technology. We do have those capabilities these days in 2022 as well as be a little bit more exact with it. And it should be challengeable. If a big play and you just like, you got this old, you know, the sport we shall not speak of where they just have all these rules that are just made up and, you know, oh, there's all this judgment and gray area. Here's no, here's where there should be no gray area. Was the ball snapped when the thing was at 0.0 on the clock? If so, that's a penalty. The play does not uh, continue and, and you are moved backwards. That should be challengeable. That should be changed ASAP in the National Football League. But but whatever, you know, the ref's trying to give it to them. The NFL wants Green Bay to win because it's one of their favorite franchises. You guys know that whole gimmick. Um, but the Lions wouldn't be denied. You know, everybody and their brother, especially all the SOL and all the Lions fans who probably aren't listening to this pod, are sitting there and coming up with every reason why the Lions are going to lose this game, just like they have in the past, just like because 30 years ago is exactly like tomorrow, and boo-hoo, and oh, here we go again, poor us. Look at, And what did the Lions do? They rose up and they made plays at the end of this game. C.J. Moore getting his hands on a football that could have been a touchdown. Jury Jacobs putting people in the seatbelt gang all day, every day, making plays. Getting physical with people, not getting flagged at the end of the game. And getting off the field on fourth down where Smug just thought he could just throw the ball up to no man's land, either get a penalty or have his guys bailing out again. Nope. Ball game. Lions win. Loved it. 
Loved everything about it. Um, anytime you beat the Packers is great. Anytime Smug is just crying in his oatmeal, I love it. Anytime that favorite franchise takes another L, their fifth L in a row, and their their whole franchise is going to be in shambles because they're paying their quarterback $50 million who can't play anymore. And he looks like a homeless man with a woman's haircut and a just a... Just a goofball off the field. This guy's just an aloof, arrogant idiot that uh, is the smuggest of smug. And uh, it's been proven time and time again. So the Lions rose up, made some plays, won this football game, got off the shot. Yeah, they got two wins. But this was a big win because of who they beat. They needed it. The coaches needed it. The players needed it. And now we'll see if they can build off it. We'll get into that with Joey when he comes on. So... That was about 10-15 minutes on the ball game for you. Let me get this rant in real quick. Draft pick guy versus I like to win guy. Um, you guys know that I've been both here on the show. I think that you can use your brain, and when it makes sense, you can um, can think about the pick, think about the team as big picture, the future, all that. With 10 football games left it's just too early to do that you guys have hold me heard me on this show if, if you got pick one draft brace young change your franchise for years to come you know uh, i think i also phrased it, if you want to have some fun draft brace, brace young change your franchise for years to come, all that you know we got the double taglines both of which are true i still believe that man if you get them get them but you know, the, the draft pick's going to fall where it is. Now, if they, if they had, like, one or two wins late in the year, do I want them winning a meaningless football game to kill that draft status? No. But here with 10 games left, some cupcakes coming up on the schedule. It's the NFL any given Sunday. Lions hopefully getting a little bit healthier here over the next handful of weeks with some of their ball players coming back. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take these Ws. I'm going to try to get wins, you know, and... Uh, the, the biggest thing is, look at the Rams pick. Thing is looking uh, pretty, 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 pretty good. Um, you know, it's a, it's, it's what, like pick twelve, pick fourteen, pick ten. You know, like, could you imagine the Lions picking like eight and twelve, or oh, six and eight? Or 10 and 12 or 14. Like, you're going to get great ball players with those picks. You can also package those and go get almost anybody you want. So, it's a glorious, uh, great situation for the Lions, regardless. So, thank you, Tom Brady, for making an incredible comeback and beating the Rams and putting another L on them. Um, everybody kind of rooted for Stafford last year, except at Chops and the D, but. He got his Super Bowl, and now he's helping the Lions by struggling and by losing and by, uh, you know, sending a great pick back to the D and, and Detroit, and we appreciate that. Um, you know, here's a little bit more on the Hawkinson pick of why that made sense and why, like, draft pick versus wins is, is a big debate right now. You know, people, hell, you're just waving the white flag. Oh, you know, you're losing one of your great players people are saying like you know if you put him on like the I gotta have it board I mean he's not up there he's a he's a nice piece on a winning team but he's not a gotta have it for the Detroit Lions 
Brad Holmes views guys like JMO, <clears throat> defensive players like Hutch and Pascal, way more valuable than a serviceable, you know, tight end that can make some plays in the pass game. And 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 let's just be frank. I mean, he hurt the Lions in the run game. Lots of penalties, lots of holdings. Lots of lackluster blocking, which we didn't think we were getting for Hawkinson when we took him that high. So, you know, Brad Holmes just has a bigger view of things of where are these blue chippers, wide receiver, quarterback, defensive end, you know, uh, some of these some of these guys on the perimeter, both on offense and defense. And he wants speed. He wants athletes. He wants game changing players, not uh, New England Patriot type tight ends uh, that they took back uh you know, four years ago or whatever. So just to shed a little bit of light on why the second and third rounders and swapping for fourths was what I view as, as a very nice return. I'm looking right now at last year's like second round picks. Let's go down. Let's assume the Vikings make a, a nice run. Let's just put them put a favor and, you know, let's, let's, let's put it at pick 55. That sounds like a good number to me. They, they could be all the way down at the bottom at 64. Um, or they could clunk up like Kirk Cousins often does and, you know, be be higher than that. But let's go to 55. Yeah, let's just do that just as a, as a number. So if pick 55 last year in the NFL draft, you know, that player over a four-year contract makes a total of $6.29 million dollars over the life of that contract. Trey McBride, the tight end, was taken in that spot. Sky Moore was taken one pick before that. You know, uh, plenty of good football players. Um, you know, Jaquan Brisker was taken a handful of picks before that. Josh Pascal. You know, it's... It's... It's a great value on a contract... I mean, I'm just looking at the numbers right now. Like the 2022 cap hit on pick 55 in next year's draft is going to be around 1. You know, 3 million or so. I mean, that is such a steal, and you are going to get a good football player. Would you want a player like George Pickens? Um, you know, uh, that quality of athlete. I mean, the Lions are going to get a defensive stud, I think, with that pick. And then in the third round, they're going to get another top, you know, Get another top hundred type player, kind of like where they got Kirby Joseph at, and and, and yeah, you're gonna get back a couple fourths, you know, uh, as a possibility. Like I just think once you see the players that they obtain, and then you look at the dollars they're gonna make over four years while this young defense, young team is building, that's why it makes sense to move on from T. J. because he's gonna make ten. 12, 14, 15 million dollars or more with the cap going up because people will just give him crazy money um, and it's not going to be worth that when you're when you're talking about team building. So I think everybody that's out there is fine to be like draft picks important. Like, yes, we want to prioritize a quarterback most likely. Yes, we need help on the defense, but it's just way too dang early to be out playing this draft pick game. Anybody that looked at that Green Bay win and was like, oh, I wish we would have lost so we could have a better pick. Oh, I, the Lions are screwing it up again. No, that was a big win for the team, much more important than than holding a draft pick spot in the first week of November. And the Lions are going to get great players regardless. I have a ton of faith in Brad Holmes. His drafting ability has, has proven itself to this point. 
and I feel really good about it. So let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break. I'll come back. I'll give my JMO take, and then um, we'll get Joey on the line here after I do some Kool-Aid hotlines as well, talk about Bears lines. Everybody, I'll be right back. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, Kool-Aid drinkers, back from the break. Let me fill up that glass one more time. Drink it in, man. I thank you guys all for drinking that Detroit Kool-Aid being optimistic about this team you guys can find me on twitter at Derek okri that's spelled d-e-r-e-k-o-k-r-i-e always appreciate all the funny things that go on online as well as you guys just uh i know i'm just one voice you know you got all the beat writers you got everybody and their brother now with uh trying to start up a pod but um a lot of you guys have been with me since day one when i started this thing just wanted to talk some lions ball and uh like to hope, you know, over time I've got better at it. We've got some funny gimmicks here on the show, but I uh, really just enjoy talking about this football team through the ups, the downs, everything in between. I really think they're going to get together over the next few years, win big, and then uh, Detroit Kool-Aid, cornbread going to be flowing and uh, being coming out of the ovens all over the place. And I know a lot of you guys are waiting for that as well. As And again, I just appreciate you supporting the show, hitting me up online, you know, joking around, uh, talking football, really enjoyable. So, um, let me, let me talk JMO, Jameson Williams real quick. Like, you know, we've all been waiting on this guy. Like everybody's talked him up. Like if he didn't come in and be a, I think I had a guy in my fantasy league that was, you know, I've been trying to trade for JMO and he's like, man, I think he's going to be like a top 10 receiver, you know, either later this year or next year. I was like, I was like, come on, man, this guy's like, He's a rookie and he's got crazy speed, but he's really going to still have to prove himself. But we're all hyped up about him. There's no question. And uh, I tweeted out here recently just asking people, like, have other people noticed how, like, locked in this guy is, you know, on the sideline? Like, to me, Jameson Williams is just um, a guy that every time they show him, like, He's he's plugged into the game, man. He loves his teammates. He's got a lot of juice. This guy is a D, a W G. He's a dog. <laughs> this guy loves the game of football. <laughs> you see him dancing with people after touchdowns. He's laughing. He's smiling. He's happy to be here. That was my big worry when they took him. Is looking like he had boo boo face, but he doesn't. He's locked into the game. There was a point in this Packer game where, um, you know, their top corner, Alexander, threw Tom Canada out of bounds, discarded him, and J-Mo looked like he wanted to throw. (laughs) He wanted to throw hands. He was over there um, with his Honolulu Blue Jordans on with his iced out necklace and he looked like he was ready to go for back up his teammate. I mean, I love everything about this guy. I got to say, as long as he stays clean off the football field, he's going to be fun to watch. <laughs> he's going to be fun on and off the field. He's going to be probably one of the top few one, two or three most dynamic talents we've had in the city of Detroit, especially for the lions. Um, and gosh, he's just always over there watching what's going on. 
can't wait till he hits the football field. So Dan Campbell came out on the morning sports talk and said, no, again, Dan Campbell. Here, here's, here's another Dan Campbell side note. Again, tweeted it out. Follow me on Twitter. I said, I think it would serve Dan Campbell. Dan freaky Campbell well but not be so transparent like you can be honest with your team you know behind closed doors you can be fun in the media but you don't have to be 100% honest about everything all the time you know I think my take at the the moment was go out in the media and say like I I don't know you know uh, Swift you know we're just not sure where he's going to be we're hopeful and We'll see what happens and blah, blah, blah. Give that whole ho-hum, no real answer. And then come out on Sunday and unleash Swift for 20-plus carries and throw him the ball and, and and all of a sudden he's not even injured. Instead, Dan Campbell always says, yeah, he's not back. We can't really use him. And then that's what happens on game day. It's just like I think my other uh, you know opinion on that was just sort of – I, I, I don't know. I think it's just a bigger picture of just you don't have to lie, but you don't have to give away everything or just be straight up front. So anyway, he he came out with Jameson Williams. He said, you know, if I have to put a range on it now, he's looking at December. He didn't really say early December, late December. He did say later in that same quote that maybe, you know, the last couple games or whatever is get under his belt would be important. I mean, you you got the the SOLs, you got people that are just overly cautious, which are like, oh, you should just shelf them for the whole year, and what does it matter? You know, gosh, these guys are football players, so people don't want to put them out on the field because they might get hurt. I mean, okay, then just never play this guy, put him in bubble wrap, and call it a day, right? So I'm proponent of the minute he's ready and the minute the doctors say he's ready and when he feels good and the coaches feel like he can protect himself and he can ball out, Put him on the dang field and let him let him go. Let let the stallion run. You know what I mean. So I, that's my opinion on it. Where you know Dan Campbell, you know, may just use him for a couple games towards the end, get everybody salivating, and then you know uh, go from there. But I I'd like to see him as soon as possible. It would have been great to debut him on like Thanksgiving or something. You know, where the whole country could see him and he's got this big spotlight. The new number nine. <laughs> I'm still curious if Jamo's going to keep that number nine, or if that's just for now, and then you know that could soon change into next year or something. I I don't know, but I I just think he loves ball. He looks so plugged in on the sidelines. Everyone's so hype on this guy that you're going to have to temper it a little bit. But we just don't know what we have. We think we do from college and whatnot, but. If all that translates, yeah, we do have a top flight WR1 with elite speed. I mean, I think there was a tweet from good old Frank Ribble. It's a shout out to Frank where he was sending out something about there's a a thing going around about JMO running 23 miles per hour. And the only people that have done that are Tyreek. And this one shocked me. Raheem Mostert. I know they say he's fast. I never think of him as fast, but I guess those were the top two clocked guys in regards to speed. But, um, you know, I think he's just going to be, he's going to be up there when he, when he actually hits the field and he's healthy, he's going to be an absolute blur for defenses and I can't wait to see it. So, um, you throw that out there. Let, Let me throw out my quick thing about Kirby, 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 Joseph. Um, 
you know, Kirby to me, uh, you know, I don't have it in front of me. I was going to try to find it, but it was a while ago. It was probably, it was probably before the season, maybe in training camp. I, I saw a tweet from him and it, his handle was like Kirby B <laughs> was like his handle. And I was like, oh man, I don't like that. It's not swaggy enough for, uh, for Kirby. You know what I mean? Um, it just seemed like he needed something different or something a little bit, uh, you know, nastier than Kirby B. It sounded like a pop singer or something. And so I tweeted at him and just sort of put him in the tweet and said, man, we got to come up with some swag for your brand. We got to, we, we got, it can't be Kirby and then B because Kirby with a B just, you know what I mean? It just didn't work for me. Right. And so I sent something out just kind of saying I wanted to get him something swaggier. And he wrote back. He was like, he's like, that's my middle name. And you could just call B for ball hawk. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like, like, I like that because we know that you can ball hawk, you can make plays. Right. So, um, you know, we had a little exchange there and I, I couldn't tell if he thought I was hating on him or if he was cool with it. I mean, he just didn't, he seemed like good dude, but, um, I don't have his handle in front of me, but I want to say it's changed. I think it's K, uh, gosh, I don't have it in front of me, but it's not Kirby B anymore. I don't believe, I think he did tweak that. So that's cool. Um, the guy's just a ball player. I mean, he knew he was a ball hawk before the draft. Everybody was saying, man, this Kirby Joseph could be a ball hawk. You know, he was on my radar there in the third round, but I didn't love him to be honest. He seemed like a raw talent, somebody that, we're touting all these ball skills, but, you know, Illinois guy, you know, he seemed like a hard worker, you know, good things coming out of some of the preseason, you know, draft process about him that this guy could be a baller. The word was the Lions loved, him, you know, throughout. It was like, man, the Lions, they're going to take Kirby in the second or third round, maybe the fourth round if he got there. And sure enough, late in the third round, he was there. They took him. You know, those post-draft videos seemed like they were, couldn't believe he was still there. You know, he, he came he came along kind of slow, to be honest. Like, didn't hear much buzz about him in training camp. Didn't hear much about him um, throughout the preseason. Didn't see much from him here early in the season. But, man, he's just come on incredibly, uh, what, two forced fumbles with hits. Now two INTs, that incredible pass breakup. And I think he had, like, ten tackles this last game. So I don't care if you call yourself Kirby B., or Kirby, Kirby Joseph, um, you know, again, that, that might need to be changed, workshopped, uh, but Kirbsky, Kerbo, um, you know, that kid Kirby, I mean, we're going to come up with something for him that's going to work because this guy does seem like he has swagger. And then the other funny thing I want to say about Kirby real quick, if you ever see his interviews, when he's talking to the media, and this is probably, we all have our things we just go to, right? Things that we say, um, Kirby's thing is he'll say something and he'll be like, man, we just got to play hard on defense. You feel me? You know, I'm just trying to get out there and work hard. You feel me? And, uh, it's swaggy. I like it. <laughs> I think that that's gotta be a t-shirt or something. You feel me? Because Kirby, we feel you, bro. We feel the ball hawking ability. We feel you making plays. So hopefully Kirbsky, Kerbo, you feel me? gets uh, back to feeling good. He is in concussion protocol, but I know Lions fans loved what he did. So everybody, let's do this. We're going to have Joey dialing up here in a few on the Kool-Aid hotline. We're going to talk to him about this Bears game, get some smack talk in, get some predictions in, things like that. Um, I was going to give a few shout outs, but I've already done that. I just want to say 
I'll say a few quick names, people that were getting back to me and really hype about this Lions win. Of course, you got C-Mill over there from Wisco. Again, a little shoddy. He's from Wisco, but he's repping Lions. He was real hype about this win, so I'm going to assume he has no cheese affiliations whatsoever. He was loving it. Steve from Cali was loving it. The tuna was out talking mad noise, things I can't read here on the pod. Cornbread. Cornbread. Jerry. Cornbread. Jerry from North Carolina was uh, all about this win, feeling good, and uh, been texting back and forth. A lot of a lot of you other guys too. So um, just appreciate everybody. Um, it's it's becoming a thing, man. Like the the Kool Aid Hotline before the game, during the game, after the game, getting a lot of texts, a lot of messages with people, hype, giving their takes, coming in strong. Um, definitely gonna keep that going because that's a fun way you guys can get right at me rather than going on the Twitter machine or you know having time to call. You can just shoot a quick text. I'll get back to you. We we'll talk some lines that way as we have time, have some fun. So uh, appreciate everybody there. Again, you guys can uh, call up, text up nine eight nine two seven two three four eight four. So everybody, I'll take a quick pause when I jump back on. We'll get Joey Christopoulos talking lines, talking bears and getting you ready for this game on Sunday. Big game. Everybody, be right back. All right, Kool-Aid drinkers, I am back. Probably a minute or so, we should have Joey calling on the Kool-Aid hotline, 989-272-3484. Again, we'll see if we can get him riled up. (laughs) Me and Joey like to have fun. He's always very respectful to the Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers in this show. But uh, I I will definitely try to have some fun with him. It's been a long time since we spoke. And... uh, We'll get into this game, get in this preview. Should be should be a good time. So should be dialing up any minutes. Um looking forward to talking to Joey Christopoulos of the B L E A V Believe Podcast Network, Believe in Bears. Alright, there he is everybody. Let's get this thing rolling. Is this the man? The myth, the legend, the king of all podcasts, the guy that's always drinking that orange drink. Drink it in, man. Believe, B-L-E-A-V, and Bears host and friend of the show, Joey Christopoulos. Joey, is that you, buddy? I have returned. He's back. Back again. (laughs) Tell a friend what's going on, man. (laughs) Derek, man, so great to be back on the Kool-Aid Hotline, the Kool-Aid Cast with you. Uh, let me set the record straight really quick. If people are wondering, you know, where have I been? There is no beef between me and Derek. Uh, <laughs> I love Derek. I love the show. There's nothing going on. I unfortunately have a daily commitment that takes me well into the night of Eastern time. And it's my fault. Our times do not match up. But I'm glad we're figuring it out right now because Lions Bears this week, Derek. I'm excited to cut it up with you. Joey, there's a ton to talk about. I may have already mentioned to the Kool-Aid drinkers that you're too big time for the show and, and you're too too important. You know, you got so many things going on on your plate, you can't come on and talk ball anymore. I might have mentioned that, but I'm glad to have you. And I want to start off this talk with a congratulations for you. I want to say oh. con- <laughs> I want to say congratulations, Joey. You and your Bears have finally found the successor to Gale Sayers. You finally found that next guy to Walter Payton. You finally discovered that next great Bears running back, Justin Fields, everybody. Congratulations, Joey. Just put the ball in his hands 30 to 40 times a game and watch <laughs> us work, baby. Um, I'm 
I am completely uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not stunned, but I, I was watching the game on Sunday and I, I'm getting chills because we don't know what this even feels like. We don't know where we are right now. It's been a great <laughs> month. Big matchup this week, Derek. I'm really excited to talk to you about this game because I think this game is going to be highly entertaining, man. These are two terrible, as you say, terrible defenses. There's going to be some points scored this week on both sides of the ball. And Justin Fields is very hot right now. I'm feeling very good, very optimistic. I hope that you guys have that feeling next year when you get rid of Jared Groff and draft someone else. <laughs> My question is, can Justin Fields throw, or is his throwing motion? That's terrible. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. Um, all right, let, let's get into this, man, because I do think this is a big game. Both teams you know, have, don't have a ton of wins in the win column, but... We just picked up a nice one against the Green Bay Packers, fought hard, found a way to win, defense kind of showing up out of nowhere, playing grimy and physical. You guys went back and forth with Miami Dolphins. You know, there's all this hubbub about 178 yards rushing, similar passing numbers from your quarterback slash halfback. Um, you, you know, what's what's the vibe of the team? You, you've obviously been following, putting out great podcast content, writing things like What's the overall theme with your Bears heading into this ballgame? The vibe of the team is, is pretty strong right now. They can't pick up a win to save their life. They're 1-5 in, in their last six games. The vibe of the fan base, though, is over at the moon right now. I look like 120 in passing yards last week. He did have a 45-yard P.I. with Chase Claypool. He had another P.I. with Chase Claypool. Of course, we don't count those numbers, but who knows? Maybe in the future we have a little bit of better slate. But, man, here's what happened, right? And let's be very fair about this. Justin Fields is playing great right now. He has to continue to play well. He will have bad games. And when he actually gets a decent crop of receivers and some weapons around him, I think we're going to have to judge him on a little bit of a different criteria. But, Derek, man, let's be fair also that he walked into this year, man, with the worst wide receiver room in the NFL. I mean, I like Darnell Mooney, but Equinemia St. Brown, the other the other St. Brown, uh, Dante Pettis, I mean, Nikhil Harry. I mean, we've been trotting these guys out trying to make it work. And you saw in the first month of the season with the Chicago Bears, their offense was historically terrible because they tried to play fairly standardized NFL football with a passing game that is just from the pocket. After that Commanders game, they switched it up. They're doing design runs with Justin Fields. He gets to make more decisions now. And honestly, I like the ball in his hands to score points at this point because our wide receiver room still isn't even that good. And Chase Claypool is still probably a couple more weeks away before he can actually contribute and make an impact. So, I, of course, I'm going to go homerism, right, and ask for a grading scale, you know, a learning curve, a grading curve, what is it called, uh, with Justin Fields in the passing right now because, man, who's he throwing to? He's not throwing to anybody. It, it sounds very similar, like you said, to where my Lions were last year in the receiving core and trying to piece it together. I do find it kind of funny and, and unique that, like, you kind of were bumbling along a little bit. Everyone's kind of down on the quarter, but down on the situation, and then they've kind of – you know, rallied in a couple games, but like you said, fell short, and now the whole vibe has changed. I mean, everybody um, is very high on your team. You know, obviously that smug quarterback in Green Bay was sleeping on my Lions. Um, horrible defense, you know, had kind of shown up in a couple weeks, but they uh, were able to find a way to get a, a win there. So I, I guess, like, one thing you need to keep an eye on, and, and I do as well for this ball game, is the Lions have really let – these non-mobile quarterbacks like really run up into the pocket. So everyone's just shaking in their boots that, you know, you're letting the 
these smug Rogers and uh, Tua and all these guys run for cracks up the middle, or we don't have anybody, you know, once they uh, get in a single man coverage and they're just been sliced and diced in the run game. So, but I, I would think going into this game, you know, that AG Aaron Glenn and Dan freaking Campbell, I mean, gosh, they're going to have your boy uh, with a red circle and, and probably a spy or two in that area or just ready to get him the minute he takes off. I mean, I would think that's the game plan. I would hope that that's the game plan, but that was the Dolphins game plan. I mean, if you go back and watch the Bears-Dolphins game, they actually started off with a very pass-heavy outfit trying to throw them off the scent because everyone in the world knows Justin Fields wants to run with the football, and he's still at 178 rushing yards. So uh, containing him will be one thing. The thing about it is just Justin Fields can pick up six yards almost like whenever he wants to. That's the beauty of what's going on with him over these last three weeks specifically. It's not just the Dolphins game, but he played really well in that Cowboys game. Our defense just gave up 49 points, or excuse me, 42 with the with a fumble recovery for a touchdown. And then the week before, we put 33 on the Patriots. So it's happening. It's coming. You know, I I will say that it would be man, it'd be such a it'd be such a stop of the heart, right? If the Lions do come out and beat the Bears and Justin Fields doesn't play well, because he's bound to have a bad game sooner or later in these nine games. Not not all nine of them are going to be fantastic, but all of a sudden we really like our chances. I mean, this is going to go back and forth. The question is. The Lions, I feel like this season, tell me if I'm wrong, have done a poor job of letting teams back into games in moments, and and the Bears have done a bad job of keeping leads at any point in a game. So those are two things, those are two parallel forces that are about to uh, collide here on Sunday, and it's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah, what's what's been crazy is the last couple of years, people, you know, on the Lions and fans here have been like, man, we why do we always start so slow? And then we'd have the Stafford comebacks, we'd have, you know, the late game heroics and pull out a couple of games. Now it feels like every game, if you go back and look, the Lions have come out pretty well. They've they've got up to some leads and and then they just yep. can't finish. So I I was screaming in, at the early late second quarter, early third quarter. Okay find a way to finish against green Bay and to see them do that with the refs, the play clock, the, you know, um, the NFL wanting, you know, the, the cheese heads to win a game like that. And for the lions to rise up and get it, I think, I think was huge. I, I do think, you know, the Lions have had trouble, you know, guarding people. You know, their their pass coverage has been very spotty. People just running wide open like they did against Miami and company. Um, so I'm just curious to see how this run game is going to be because not only is your quarterback uh, dynamic when he tucks the ball and goes, but you do have Montgomery. Herbert has shown up this year. So the Lions have some stout guys up there, and I think they can get after you if you're just going to run it up the middle and, and run off tackle all day. But uh, I think that'll be the key to the game. Can they stop the run? Because I don't really think you can throw on us, but we've been thrown on before, so I could be wrong there. No, that's going to be a big part of the game. I think it's one of the biggest keys, honestly, because if you look, the Bears are running the ball from the jump starting this season. They lead the NFL with 188 rushing yards a game as a team combined, as you mentioned, the aforementioned Herbert, Montgomery, and Justin Fields. But in the beginning, it was a lot of between-the-tackle stuff, up the gut, wear down a defensive line. These last three weeks, it's been left to right, a lot of misdirection, creating different spaces, keeping a defense guessing. So it's really going to be – it's hard for me to handicap as a Bears analyst, of are they going to come out and try and run the ball? Are they going to come out and try and do some pass-heavy stuff? You know, how are they going to throw it off the scent to maybe allow Justin Fields to make some plays in moments where not a lot of other quarterbacks are able to make those plays? And so far, Luke Getzey's been pushing the right buttons. We will see coming in here. And 
I don't mean to change the subject there, but you have to be so excited as a Lions fan to play our defense this weekend. We are, we were bad before, and then we traded Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. And I'm not saying that those guys are all world defensive, you know, difference makers. Roquan Smith, you can make that argument, but man, our defense is so terrible that, you know, there's very little reason to think that a Detroit Lions offense who's been solid to above average, I would say, and I'm saying that probably conservatively, I think they're going to have a really great day. Whoever's getting the ball in the backfield, Jamal Williams or DeAndre Swift, is going to have three, four yards before someone gets touched. You know, they'll get through the second level very, very easily on this defensive line. And the Lions have an opportunity to score a ton of points this week. So here's the thing, Joey. Since we last spoke, you know, we're both – Big DeAndre Swift guys, breakout year, love his talent. Joey, I think I'm out on the guy. I think I'm out. Like, he he, he not only doesn't play, always hurt. These injuries linger longer than they should. We we have him on this ridiculous pitch count where he's, like, in, but he's in for, like, eight plays, two carries. He catches the ball maybe three times for 30 yards. I mean – I, I not only can't pay that running back or keep that running back, that's not a NFL running back. <laughs> that's like a that's like an upgraded Theo Riddick that we've had years ago. I mean, it's it's just <laughs> it's really hurting me in the heart to say this, but I'm I'm I think a lot of Lions fans we've turned that page of like just every day go so talented, but always hurt. What if you know? And it's it's just gone the wrong way for him. Your Jared Goff hate you know really bit you in the you know what, early in the season when he was a top stat-rated quarterback, I've obviously reached mid-year where I just feel like we need that ultimate leader. And it, unless all the cards fall wrong, like uh, where we can't get a young player or trade for somebody or get a free agent, whatever, you know, I'd keep him. But that hasn't gone so well. Um, let me ask you this. What are, are both of our teams are sort of in like, yeah, we're building for the future. Yeah, we got these young guys that might grow. Yeah, we got high hopes, but you got to sort of look and build and draft picks, but you also kind of still want to win. We got nine games left, right? Well, first, uh, just real quick, I'm going to backtrack and I'm going to just get my back from my boy yeah. and talk a little about DeAndre Swift for a second, because man, to your credit though, your assessment of his talent and his potential and what he can do in the Detroit Lions offense was completely accurate. You were dead on with that. My my contention was, and roll back the tape was, and, you know, look, I do a lot of fantasy football stuff. The guy, as you mentioned, he's a walking questionable. Even in training camp, you see him limited, not working, you know, shoulder, name it, whatever, any, any limb. He has a problem, and it happens again and again, and it's happening again this year. And what is the biggest problem with that? Jamal Williams is the exact opposite. He is the, he is the where the light is dark. Jamal right. Williams shows up. Dan Campbell trusts him when they put the ball in his hands. He not only produces, but he's an emotional leader on and off the field. In contrast to DeAndre Swift with all that talent, to have Jamal Williams there in that backfield, I think it's just it, it only magnifies the problems that you guys probably – and the decision that you have to make, much like you made a decision on TJ Hawkinson with DeAndre Swift moving forward. Now, to the question that you asked me, I mean, I'll be honest with you, man, and we're, this is where we're going to disagree because I know I, – I feel like I have a pulse on your fandom. For me this year with the Chicago Bears, I, and we, we talked about this in the preseason, you know, I wasn't really judging this team on wins and losses this year. I was looking at, 
And I, I hope Lions fans feel this way too, because you know what? Your season hasn't really gone the way you thought it would either. What does it look like? What are we building here? What is the foundation? What is the style of play? How do we lose? How do we win? So on and so forth. There's a lot of context in between these games that go beyond a W and an L at the end of the week. You know, if we play this weekend and you guys beat us 41 to 38, but Justin Fields looks great. Look, man, I'm going to take it on the chin. I hate losing to the Lions, but man, in the context, I am so excited about our future because what it looks like looks like NFL offense looks like a quarterback moving in the right direction. That is how I'm assessing the Chicago Bears right now. And to be honest with you, would I love Justin Fields to come back and beat the Dolphins? Yes, I think that would have been great. Come back and beat the Vikings. Yes, that would have been great. But six months from now, when I'm back on this show and we're talking about the NFL draft, if a couple of those losses help us get into that top eight in the NFL draft next year, for this year alone, this year and this year only, I'm cool with it. Moving forward next year, I'm going to start looking at wins and losses again and just become that normal fan that I've always been. But this year, if we lose some of these games and play well, dude, I'm actually okay with it because it gives it one more chance to get a blue chip player in next year's draft. Yeah, all, all good stuff by you. I think it's kind of played out with that whole Claypool deal, you know. Like, I think you got a real good football player, a um, just elite guy when it comes to height, weight, speed. You know, he's got some, some question marks, I'd say, when it comes to the maturity or some of the things he says or does. But I like this player a lot, but you gave up a second-round pick for him. so And you're probably going to have to pay him. So it's kind of like that walk in that middle ground of, man, we, we used a resource, but we think we got a good talent. Now, is he going to show up and are you going to be able to, you know, put it all together where he's a dynamic piece for your quarterback and whatnot? Like I'm real curious. The Lions moved on from Hawkinson. I thought got a nice return, but they're going to have to nail those draft picks and people are going to have to wait, which nobody wants to really do here either. So I'm with you. It's kind of like both, but um, you got to look at the bigger picture, I think, but there's just so much football left. We don't know where we're going to be at the end of the year for both our teams. So I, I think it's, yeah, and Derek, Derek, just real quick, real quick yeah. with Claypool. He makes $1.5 million next year, and we have him under contract. So we have a whole other year to audition him and see whether we do want to pay him that money. So, you know, for, for the price that we paid, I think it was a little, little rich for Chase Claypool at a second-round pick, to be honest with you, if it ends up being a top 40. But even better, Derek, we kept him away from the Packers. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. The Packers are sinking. They are drowning right now, and they needed a player like Chase Claypool. They didn't get him. That is good news for everyone considered. That means the sticker price is a little bit higher. I'm paying it. Wrap it up. Take it home. I'm taking home <laughs> Chase Claypool. Yeah, another good point by you. We're both glad to see that. You should have just seen 12 just whining and yelling and flapping his arms in the air on Sunday. Man, it was it was my, absolutely my wife, just my, so fun I was to watching see. the Bears game. We had one eyeball on the Bear, uh, Packers-Lions, and my wife would just keep coming in because she knows that I hate Rodgers, and, like, and she hates Rodgers too. And she's like, honey, you have to see this because he kept screwing up over and over again. Three interceptions, you know, problems in the red zone, <laughs> throwing the ball away, inaccurate for a better portion of that game, which was probably the most surprising part. But no, every single bad play, my wife would come over and say, hey, you got to check this out. And I watched it with complete delight. <laughs> my my favorite part probably is too when Karen Rogers puts his hat on, but his horrible dew is sticking out the side, looking all just verklempt and weird. Like he's just got these strands of long hair hanging out the back of his hat. That 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 brings me happiness as well, to see how ridiculous he looks from the facial hair to the things on the top of his head to that dumb look on his face. I love it. <laughs> Hey, man, the only sad part 
is the way that it's trending at this time. Uh, again, we're only in week nine, right? As you mentioned, a lot of football left to play. So we'll see what happens. And you know what? I, I, can I say the Packers are dead? Yes, I can. But, man, yes. this just feels like so weird and foreign for me. <laughs> the, the funny part is, man, we talk all the time on this podcast. And the next couple of years, everyone needs to start wrapping their heads around the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. There's going to be a flippage in the NFC North. And those teams are going to be good. And the Vikings are going to take a step back. And the Packers won't be any good. The only bummer is that by the time we probably are good, Aaron Rodgers might be out of football because he's kind of playing his way. He's oh. playing his way into his football grave right now. We've been tiptoeing around it, buddy, for multiple pods when we've been on, and he's done. It's it's over. I mean, uh, it, this is not the same guy. He just was an absolute debacle on Sunday, which brings us both joy and is fun to say over and over again. Let, let me do this. I, I just want to circle back. I want to get our, our bold score predictions and, and let you uh, tell all the Kool-Aid drinkers what you've been up to, all that good stuff. But um, I, I do think this is a this is a very intriguing, quote-unquote, big game for both these teams. I mean, it's in your place. I'm sure you haven't replaced that horrible field of yours yet, so it's it's probably going to be sloppy and messy. <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a, a knockdown, drag-out fight. I don't think either team's going to look uh, perfect on either side of the football, to be honest, but I think it has a lot of intrigue of how it's going to go down, who's going to show up big, what injuries are going to happen, everything that's going on. So I'll just uh, pitch it to you to give plugs, tell what you're up to, and then I want a score and how this one's going down, Joey. Derek, man, uh, great talking with you, dude. I really, (laughs) really, really enjoyed it. Great to hear from you. And uh, I hope to be on again very, very soon. But let's start first with final score prediction. Um, Derek, man, I'm going the other way, dude. I think this could be one of the most entertaining games of the week. And uh, when you mentioned perfect football, I agree with you. It's not going to be perfect. There's going to be fumbles and maybe interceptions and crazy <laughs> plays. And, and who knows that we can't even predict at this particular point. But, man, I'm going the other way. I'm going 41-38. to 38. The Chicago Bears win. I have to. I have to. I mean, the Lions could easily win this game. But I think it's going to be a unabashed score fest. Who has the ball last? What possession, what what mistake takes a possession away from a team that costs them in a game when you're just trading scores back and forth? And that's how I see it playing out. In terms of the grass, we did change the grass recently. I don't have a, a, an insider's report on how that's working out, but um, we'll see. We'll see if it's kicking up, uh, kicking up divots on uh, Sunday. But man, I'm going the other way. I think the Detroit Lions is offense is going to have their way with our defense our defense is awful man just wait just wait till you see it just wait till you see it in person and how delightful it will be for alliance fan to see uh, them score a bunch of points and our offense right now is trending in the right direction it is a green light matchup against the detroit lions defense right now at this point even though they played well against the packers i think it's going to be high scoring man i think it's going to be really high scoring i hope that the bears win but i mean play the play the over on the points is what I'm getting at there. Um, in terms of plugs, uh, thank you for giving me that opportunity. Um, I have had to pare down some of my content recently because I have a gig. I'm doing something else right now at this particular time. But, of course, Believe in Bears every single week with former Bears defensive end, former Lions defensive end, Corey Wooten, every single week breaking down the Bears' action. Uh, he's now involved with CHGO. He's blowing up. He's doing great. We love doing those shows. I'm also hosting Believe NFL Live every single Sunday on the Believe YouTube channel. That's at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern for those listening out there. So come hang out with us, 7 p.m. Eastern. Think about it. It's right in between those afternoon middle games and that night game. Ask yourself, 
What are you watching on TV during that time? Probably nothing other than maybe dogs running into screen doors or something, <laughs> ran, some random action movie that's on TNT. You watch football all day. Come hang out with us and talk football. Jump in the chat. We do that every single Sunday uh, with the Believe roster. I'm really excited to be able to launch that myself. I host it every single week. And, um, yeah, man, that's pretty much it for my plugs. That's it. Short. Doing big things. I mean, there couldn't be a better guy to uh, dive into some football content. He makes you laugh. He's just as good as it gets. Joey Christopoulos, everybody. Now, Joey, this is kind of where I bring the show home. This is where I land the plane. This is where I serve up a little of that delicious tea. Troy, Kool-Aid. Drink it in, man. Side of cornbread. Cornbread. Make it a double. Cornbread. And, and I just simply want to say this. You've dogged Jared Goff a ton. He hasn't been good. He also hasn't had some of his weapons, which ha- makes him decent. He's kind of bumbled through a three, four games, however long it's been now. Based on what you said about your defense, uh, I feel yeah. like... Number 16 is going to come in and, and have a good day, protect the football, throw a few touchdowns, make some plays. Um, I, I think our defense is going to be hit or miss. They're going to have some good drives, going to have some bad drives. I think your quarterback's going to do a few things. I think Claypool is going to make some plays. He's not going to have 20, 30 yards like he had last week. But at the end of the day, Joey, I mean, it wouldn't be the show if I didn't play it. We we know what it is. The Bears are what we thought they were. Denny. What, what, they're what we thought they were. <laughs> the Bears Get are what Denny. we thought they were. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown them. We're not but crowning them. they are them. who we thought they were. And we're not going to let you off the hook because... <laughs> Danny, I miss I, you, Denny. <laughs> we're not letting you off the hook because... I'm not going to let my Lions, we're not going to let Fields run around the field all day because he throws about as good as he sings. Also, kind of a a, a good singer. La, so La, That's your quarterback. That was probably a 6 out of 10. I, I usually sing better. When he says that was so bad, was that after an, a 12-yard out route to one of the Darnell Mooney, your favorite player? Joey, I got 24 for the Lions, 20 for the Chicago Bears. Market another Dubsky for Detroit. Very, very possible. It would not surprise me in the least. Obviously, I'll be rooting for a different outcome. And listen, to all those Lions fans out there, just know this. Justin Fields is all business, okay? He's a businessman. He's in the business of winning football games and being <laughs> awesome. You want a quarterback that sings? Go watch Terry Bradshaw on The Mass Singer. <laughs> oh, we will do that. And, Joey, this is the only way I can end the show. Buddy, I can't thank you enough for coming on. We will have to do this again. And for all you Kool-Aid drinkers, I'll catch you next week right here on the D Troy Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. We're out.